It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more past resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. You've seen this video before, but just so you can get your big band on a little minute, just a minute, I want you to remember this little video to help set the stage this morning. Lucky lady tonight. Lucky lady tonight. But if you've ever been a lady to begin with, luck be a lady tonight. why you couldn't make that catch on the softball team. I don't understand that. Did y'all see that? That was slick, man. He caught that, that microphone rolled off. And it, whoo, cat-like reflexes, right? Well, hey, there are debates about whether luck exists. Um, people try to look for explanations when you get unusual results. In fact, I was flipping TV. I, now, please, please, please understand. I don't watch this show all the time. I was flipping like guys do, you know, and I came across Oprah, <laughs> and just for a split moment, I know, take my man card, but just for a split moment, I heard her make this statement. I don't even remember who she was talking to, honestly. And she made this statement. She said, man, all the planets must have aligned for you on that day. And I started thinking about that. You know, people say, well, the planets aligned or this was your lucky day. And I, and I just have issues with that because I've decided that I don't want to have to wait for uh, planets to get in some strange alignment to be blessed. Uh, am I only allotted a certain number of lucky days all of my life and all the other days are unlucky days or no luck days, but certain days? No, I would rather have guarantees. I just think that's a better way to live. And so what we've been dealing with is that that I think what God has taught us and teaches us is that we can we can choose if we desire to to live to rely on luck, but that's not the best way to live. There's a better way to live. There is a godly way to live, and that godly way comes with guarantees that we can live a blessed life. Blessed is better than luck any day of the week. And twice on Sunday, whether the planets are lined up or not, or whether this is a lucky day or not, I don't know. All I know is this is a blessed day, and I'm a blessed individual, and you can be a blessed individual too. And so we began to talk about that, and I stated to you that there were four ways that we must live if we desire to be blessed. You will remember that the first was generous. We must live a generous life. We should be the most generous people on the planet. Why? Because God was so generous with us. And yet we've discovered and we talked about the fact that most Christians are stingy and are not very generous with not only their finances, they're not generous with their spirit, they're not generous with their love, they're not generous with their kindness. 
we are stingy folks. And what I challenged you was that it is an indication to us that our old man is still alive. That as we begin to operate in generosity, that is a tool in our father's hands that allows us to kill the old man in our life. We must become generous. And I talked to you about the fact that we must live a shared life. You are, were never intended to live life alone. You have got to get to the place where you hang out with one another and get to know one another beyond how's the weather and how did work go this week that we actually begin to rely on one another and spend time with one another in worship, spend time to, with one another praying, spend time together uh, in each other's homes so that we get to know one another and we share our lives. You should never, as long as you're a part of this body, you should never be able to come to church on Sunday and, and really feel like that nobody cared about you all week. Now, if you feel that way, that may not be the people's next to you's problem. It may have been your problem because you didn't let anybody get a glimpse of what took place in your life this week. So it's a two-way street. We must share our lives with one another. And then uh, two weeks ago, I, I shared with you that we must also live the sacrifice life. You will remember that I challenged you that unless your walk with Christ is costing you something, it does not count. You must learn to sacrifice behind you. There should be this trail, this, this long trail of things that you've left behind in the pursuit of Christ. You need to take stock of your life and ask yourself this question. Is my walk with Jesus costing me anything? Do I have on me stretch marks produced by sacrifice? Am I growing? So we're going to wrap this up this morning and talk about the fourth way that we must live. I believe that not only must we live a generous life, not only, only, uh, not only must we live a shared life, and not only should we live a sacrificed life, in order for us to be blessed, we must also learn to live a sacred life. Just a quick reminder, I pointed you in the very first week to Genesis chapter 5, which showed us that God blessed man. The first thing that he said to man, that man heard after he was created was, be blessed. And so God intends for us to live blessed. This is We're not asking him to do something he didn't want to do. We're only asking him to do what he promised to do. Right? And then I read to you out of Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 6. I hope you've read the whole chapter. But especially this one verse that says you will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. That's the level that I am challenging you to get to. That is not God's issue if you're not blessed going in and blessed going out. That is our issue because we're not living the blessed life like he's called us to. And so we said all of that. And so as we've done each week, I want to do this again this morning so that we're all in agreement. I want you to say with me this with me, the generous life is the blessed life. The shared life is the blessed life. The sacrificed life is the blessed life. And the sacred life is the blessed life. You will recall that I read to you a couple weeks ago out of Acts chapter 2. I think I started in verse 38 and went down through verse 47. But there is a glimpse from that New Testament church in Acts chapter 2 verse 37 that shares or shows us just a small glimpse of the fact that the New Testament church believers lived a sacred life. If you will, let me just remind you, verse 46 says this, every day, there it is right there, well how does that show? Every day, it's not something they just did on Sundays, it's not just something they did on holy days, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Every 
day. These early believers' lives were sacred lives. Every day their pursuit of Jesus played a significant part in their normal activities. There was no this, there was none of this uh, compartmentalization, if you will, of their lives. There was no separation there. Their, their Jesus life spilled over into their everyday life. I want to remind you this morning for our text of two key portions of Scripture in the New Testament that I believe that most modern Christians fail to live up to or to embrace or to work out into their lives. The first one you will be very familiar with, except that I'm going to read it to you out of the Message Bible, so it's going to sound just a little bit different. You could quote it out of the King James if you've been around church as long as I have, but let me read it to you out of another version. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 1 in the Message Bible. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Oh, come on, get King James on me. We know this one. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Y'all know that one, right? Okay, just wanted to make sure you felt all spiritual this morning and heard it out of the King James to make sure you're okay. Your everyday Sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering. That is a sacred life. Then there's another passage of scripture in Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. Again out of the message Bible says this. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the master Jesus thanking God the Father every step of the way. Our lives become sacred when every detail of our life, our sleeping, eating, working actions become holy and we offer them to God as a sacrifice. Here's the challenge. I believe that the average American Christian and perhaps most of the ones sitting in this room right now, I see y'all hate it when I do that, don't you? Y'all all right with me talking about American Christians out there, and then when I say those in this room, then it bothers you. But I am convinced that most of us right now only view and handle their church life as the sacred part of their lives. So for the next few minutes, I want to try to help you understand how we think and how we change the way we think to make sure that our lives are sacred. I am convinced of this. Most of us can find Jesus to the 9.15 to 11.30 or the 11.15 to 12.30 that we meet together on Sunday morning. In fact, we restrict him from invading the rest of the areas of our lives because I am convinced of this. Most of us have no more of Jesus' influence in the daily part of our lives than, the did, than we did on the day we first accepted him. That's a powerful statement that I just made. I hope you caught it. We accept Christ as our personal Savior, and we restrict him to the church service environment that we met him in, and we no longer allow him to have influence in the rest of our lives. We met Jesus at church, so we keep him there. Let me. Sh this is Jesus. We're just going to use this. I didn't have a Jesus doll laying around the house, and so uh, we'll use this. This is what happens. We come to church, and we meet Jesus. In fact, we get really particular about the fact that we want to meet Jesus at church because once we meet him, there's Jesus in our little church. 
we get this mindset. If we don't encounter Jesus at church, we'll change churches. Right now, I would too. Let me just be honest. If we don't encounter Jesus here, I'm going to go somewhere where I encounter him, right? But we are so adamant and set on the fact that when we come together as a body in, quote, church, that we have got to encounter Jesus. And so we will make sure that we find an environment that is conducive for running into Jesus, experiencing Jesus, encountering Jesus. We expect him to show up, and we get aggravated if he doesn't show up at church. Are y'all with me? Y'all didn't just come here to just like kill time, did you? You wanted to meet Jesus when you came in here, right? That's why we do what we do. This is not about marking another Sunday. This is not about a self-help seminar. This is not about a, a, a pep rally. This is about the fact that when we come together, we want Jesus to show up, right? The only problem is, is that we don't mind and we expect and we get aggravated if he doesn't show up here. The problem is, is that we walk out of these doors... And we leave Jesus here. Because this is where Jesus is supposed to hang out. This is our sacred life right here. In our minds, church, the one hour we're together a week, has become our sacred life. And so we isolate Jesus and tell Jesus, you hang out there and I'll pick you up next Sunday. Y'all ain't going to like this message. This is hot. I handed it to Teresa back there and said, this is hot. Be careful because this is going to hurt. All right, because that's what we do. It doesn't matter how good the praise and worship is. It doesn't matter how good the preaching is. Most of us never take it out of these doors. We've forgotten what was spoken about. We won't talk about the drive card. Ouch, that hurt, Pastor. We won't do anything that forces us to go beyond Sunday. We worship today, but we will listen to every other kind of music the rest of the week, beer drinking music, hooking up music, whatever, grinding music, whatever. And then we want to roll back in here on Sunday. But, Jesus, you better show up on Sunday. But it has no impact on the rest of my life. I'm preaching. All right, so we have church, right? Jesus shows up. Here's the problem. We go home, and Jesus has no influence here. Because we have isolated him and forced him to stay in our, quote, sacred life, he has no influence, no realm of authority in this area of our life. Therefore, since Jesus never leaves church and enters our marriage, or if you're single, your dating life, what that means is, is that you get to do this any way you want to. What that means is I get to go home and treat my spouse like dirt. That means I get to go home and manipulate and, and, and hurt and rag on and nag and pester and demean and belittle and treat way less than I should treat. I can walk away from. I can cheat on. Because Jesus has no authority here. Or if you're single, you go, well, Jesus isn't here. He's here. So since he's here and not here on dates, I get to go out with anybody I want to, and I can go anywhere I want to, and I can do anything I want to on that date. I can touch anything I want to touch. Oh, y'all didn't expect to be at this this morning, did you? I can, I can go into environments. I don't expect Jesus to show up at the club. I just expect, expect him to bring the one that's intended for me at the club. Give me a break. Grow up. Doesn't work that way. 
I don't understand. They won't come to church. No, you met them in a dive. What do you expect? You met them drinking. They're still drinking. Give me a break. We will not let Jesus into this box. Now, now, wait just a minute. Let me, let me show you what happens. Let me illustrate it. On Sundays, we're at church. So now I treat my spouse with, with respect and honor, and I submit, and I, oh, see, y'all didn't, y'all didn't know y'all were going to get this. Because this is on top of this. Now while I'm in this environment, I'll treat them right. The only problem is, is that when pastor says the last amen and I go get in my car, Jesus is in the car with me, so now I can rag on you as much as I want to. And the relationship that we have with Jesus never seeps into any other relationship. And then we wonder why our relationships struggle and why Christians are getting divorced as much as non-Christians, and why, why some of you are about to walk out right now on your spouse, and why some of you can't find the one that God intended for you because you're looking for him out there or looking for her out there, and you won't take Jesus with you. Uh, see, all right, here you go. Then it comes to work, all right? Work has nothing to do with church, nothing. Jesus, I left Jesus at work or at church on Sunday morning. Monday morning has nothing to do with my Monday morning. Did I say that right or did I mess it up? Sunday morning has nothing to do with my Monday morning. All right, I thought I messed it up. Y'all were just looking at me all nice and respectful, but I knew I messed it up. See, I even listen to what I say sometimes. Sometimes. And so what, what that means is, is since this is not the sacred area of our life because Jesus has not followed us to work in our minds, at work, I can work any way I want to. I can clock in late. I can steal from my boss. I, while I'm on his dime, I can do my own business. I can surf Facebook when I'm supposed to be working. Oh, see, y'all ain't smiling at me now. I, I, I can play solitaire while you're paying me, while nobody's looking. At 30 minutes before the clock goes off at 5, I just quit working altogether. Oh, yeah, you're paying me till 5, but this isn't my sacred life. I can do anything I want to do. And if I'm in school, I can slough off on my grades. I can laugh at what everybody else laughs at. I can treat all my friends and classmates the way everybody else treats us because Jesus has nothing to do with my work and my school life because I left him at church on Sunday morning. And then we go to this public-private thing. Because, see, the reality for most of us is that we're Mr. Super Christian glow-in-the-dark superstar or Mrs. glow-in-the-dark superstar in public when there are other people around that we know know Jesus we will act the part but since we've never allowed Jesus into the private moments of our lives what happens is it's okay then for my private thought life to be completely out of whack I can think about anything I want to all day long but in private I, I'm this way in public if you come to talk to me I'm just blessed but in private, there are addictions that are running rampant. There's prejudice that's running all, all through my life. There's anger. There's hate. There's lust. There's unforgiveness. But because Jesus is in the sacred part of my life and has no bearing on the public part or the private aspect of my life, I can live any way I want to live. 
and then on Sunday, we stroll in, and here I am to worship. I submit to you today that what's got to happen is that we, ha in order to live the blessed life, we must come to grips with the fact that our entire lives are sacred. There is no separating Jesus. From, let, me, let me illustrate. This is your sacred life. When you learn that Jesus must invade every aspect of your life, that there is no separating Jesus and saying, you stay at church. There's one problem with that. Jesus doesn't stay where we put him very good. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe he failed obedience school. I don't know. Stay, Jesus. Good boy. The only problem is he keeps showing up at your work and he keeps showing up in your house and he keeps showing up at your school and he keeps showing up on what you watch and he keeps showing up on what you listen to and he keeps screaming, I am part of your whole life. Let me tell you this morning that there's a truth that we can not only amen, we must embrace. And that is this. When we keep Jesus out of certain areas of our life, we very publicly announce to the world and to Jesus that He is not Lord. But rather an add-on that we only use when it's convenient convenient to know Jesus on Sunday morning, not so convenient on Monday morning. I want to say this statement to you, and I mean it. I thought it out. It sounds extremely harsh, but I believe it is the truth. Like it or leave it. I believe that if Jesus hasn't invaded every aspect of your life, then he has not invaded your life. I remind you of this. Jesus invaded every area of the disciples' lives. Think about it a moment. The Bible says that he showed up where they were fishing. That was their work life. He showed up where they were collecting taxes. That was their work life. The Bible declares that he showed up in their homes. He would eat with them, commune with them. That's their married lives, some of them. 
The Bible says that he even dealt with their mother-in-laws, their brothers, their sisters. That's their family life. He invaded their public lives to the degree that he even got involved about whether or not they paid their taxes. Jesus invaded every arena of the disciples' lives. Why do we think that we can leave him at Passion Church on Sunday morning when we're done? Let me ask you this question. What is sacred about your life? Is the only sacred thing about your life the one hour that you are in this building? Then I would say to you, if so, then you won't be blessed. You will be confused. What? Confused? Where do you get that? Because the Bible declares that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And if all you do is encounter Jesus on Sunday morning and live like you want to the rest of the week and deal with your spouse the way you want to the rest of the week and deal with your work the way you want to the rest of the week and Jesus has no influence there, you are living a double-minded life, you will become confused and you will become unstable. And you will be the one standing on the sidelines criticizing and complaining about everybody else that's being blessed and wonder, why me? Why is my work falling apart? Why is my marriage falling apart? Why is my school life so troublesome why is my life unraveling because Jesus has been left at church want to be blessed let me give you some guarantees I guarantee you that if you don't treat every area of your life as sacred you will become double minded and your stability will be lost that's a guarantee I make you if Jesus doesn't have jurisdiction in every aspect of your life, if Jesus doesn't control what you listen to, if Jesus doesn't control where you spend your time, if Jesus doesn't control who you hang out with, if Jesus, does, Jesus doesn't control your choice of clothing, if Jesus doesn't get up with you on Monday morning and walk your little hind end to work, if Jesus doesn't stroll the halls with you at high school and at college, if Jesus doesn't hang out with you when you're with your friends, then I came to tell you I can make you a guarantee you will lose your stability. If you do, do not allow every aspect of your life to be affected by the life-changing, not just church life-changing, life-changing power of Jesus, then you will be the one that stand on the sidelines and be unblessed. And I want you to be blessed. Paul states it like this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Not just like this, it's a paraphrase, but in my words, he's saying this, that living a sacrificed, sacred, all-in life is only reasonable. It's the only thing that makes sense. Another show that I don't watch, I don't know that I've ever watched more than 20 seconds of it at any given time, but I know there's a popular saying that this guy uses. You can keep living your life segmented if you want to. But I just feel like sometimes asking you like Dr. Phil would, how's that working for you? Because what I've discovered is it doesn't work. It makes you miserable. Have you noticed? If your life isn't completely surrendered to Jesus, you're miserable. You're miserable at church because you're under conviction. You're, you're even miserable out there because you can't have all that short season fun because while you're doing it, you're feeling guilty. So you're messed up everywhere. You're miserable everywhere. The only way to get rid of that 
is to completely and wholeheartedly do your reasonable service. The only thing that makes sense, it's what's expected, and that is to, to make your entire life an offering, a sacred offering, and allow Jesus to walk into every room of our life and have authority. I just believe this this morning that some of us just need to flat out repent. Because the only part of Jesus or the only part of our lives that that is sacred is our church life. You're asking me to repent because I have a church life? Yeah. If all you have is Jesus in your church life and Jesus isn't in the rest of your life, you just simply need to repent. And make him more than fire insurance. And ask him to become who he is supposed to be. Lord. William Booth, by all standards, was a great success. In fact, William Booth's legacy continues even though he passed away in 1912. I don't know if you know who William Booth is. Some of you probably do. He was the founder of the Salvation Army. So his legacy has continued to go on even after his passing. He was extremely successful in starting the Salvation Army. Every time you see one of those guys or girls ringing the bell, it's chiming out his legacy. That's successful. Why was he so blessed? How was he so influential? How did God, how was God able to use him to such a degree? Well, if you go back and read his life story, what you would discover is that he would point you back to the time when he was 15 years old and he encountered Christ. And he made this vow. He said this, God should have all there was of William Booth. Think about that a moment. God should have all there was of William Booth. That's what he vowed when he was 15 years old. His daughter later came back and said this, that wasn't really his secret. The secret to his blessing, the secret to his legacy was this, that he never took it back. Think about that just a moment. I am challenging you this morning to come to the place in your own spiritual journey where you will allow Jesus to have all of you. Because the parts you're running aren't working. D.L. Moody made this statement. He said, the world is yet to see what God can do with, with and for and through and in and by the man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Will you stop and think about that moment? You think of all the incredible, powerful, mind-boggling things that individuals have done and accomplished for the kingdom of God and stop in one moment and say, but we have yet to see what one man could really do if he was holy. Concentrated, consecrated to God. What does that mean for you? That means what could God do through you if you would allow Jesus to walk into every area of your life? So this morning as we close, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but we're going to have a different dismissal this morning. I'm going to dismiss Jesus from here. He'd like to do a little walk probably this afternoon. He's been confined here for a couple weeks, and probably the scenery's kind of getting old. 
I'm going to dismiss him to follow you to work tomorrow. That'll change how you work. I'm going to I'm going to dismiss him to ride in your car home. That'll change how you talk to your spouse and children. It might even change how you treat your pet. Probably not, but especially if it's a cat cuz it's demon possessed anyway, but you know. <laughs> Can you imagine the dramatic change we would see in Oklahoma City and surrounding areas if everybody that went to church allowed Jesus to leave church? Wow. Father, this morning, we want to be blessed. God, I, I am begging you to bless my people. I want them to have some guarantees in life. I don't want them to walk through life waiting on luck and counting on chance. I pray that instead you would bless them. But, Father, I know this. Our blessing is directly proportionate to our level of obedience. And so this morning I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, that they would take this message to heart and they would evaluate their own lives and they would determine what aspect of their life does not belong to you. I know the church life does, but Father, if their married life doesn't belong to you, if their work life doesn't belong to you, if their private life doesn't belong to you, then Jesus, I dismiss you today from the confines of this building and the one hour we try to shove you in. I pray that instead you would be dismissed to walk into every dark area of our lives and invade that arena with light. And that the way we speak to people and the way that we treat people and the way that we love people and the way that we work and the way that we serve and the way that we think would change. And our lives would become sacred, whether we're at church or not. That Jesus, you would have authority and dominion and power over what I watch on TV this afternoon. And where I hang out next Friday night. And how I treat my kids. And what I think about. And how I talk. And where I go. And how I spend my money. And how I clock in. And how I treat my friends. How I treat my enemies. Invade our lives. I speak against the little boxes of our lives and I take authority over them right now and I declare over every person under the sound of my voice, Jesus is coming to invade your entire life. 
So, Father, corporately this morning as a body, we repent. Right there where you're sitting, would you just do this on your own? I'm going to lead us, but I just pray that you do this on your own. Father, we repent for trying to isolate you and keep you at church. We repent of not surrendering our entire life to you. We declare this morning, Jesus, that you are Lord. You're Lord. We place you on the throne of our life. Make it sacred. We offer our sacred lives to you as a reasonable act of worship, a reasonable act of service, a reasonable act. It makes sense. We don't want to come unglued. We don't want to be double-minded. We, we offer our lives to you as a living sacrifice. I pray that it would be acceptable and that you would use it. So, Father, not only this morning do I dismiss Jesus, I dismiss this congregation to take Jesus into every aspect of their life because what an incredible impact we could have if we took Jesus with us everywhere. Jesus, you're going to have to sneak up on some of us this week because we're not used to having you around. But I pray at various moments throughout the course of this week, you would sneak up and show up at unexpected places. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. Jesus, I pray that you would show up in unexpected places. I pray that when husband and wife are battling it out, you would step right in between them and they would suddenly recognize Jesus just walked in the room. I pray that tomorrow at work, when I enter my little cubicle, I will sense your presence. And it will change how I talk to my coworkers tomorrow. Father, I pray that you would do these things. In Jesus' name, would you stand with me this morning? Church is over. You have a choice. You either leave Jesus here or you take him with you. I can't make that choice for you. The truth is nobody can. You have to make up your own mind that if Jesus was good at church, I wonder how he is at work. If Jesus was good at church, I wonder what he could do with my marriage. And allow him access to your entire life. Let me just say this and I'll let you go. I am convinced of the, this. Jesus, when it's all said and done, Jesus not, is not going to evaluate your life on how well you did church. <laughs> You're supposed to do church good because he's here. What he's going to check is how you did everything else. My question to you is this, is your life segmented or is it sacred? And if you want to be blessed, it better be sacred. God bless you. You're free to go this morning. I challenge you to chew on this message a little bit.
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 